Not that we're guaranteed to swear, but it's easier just to put it in. Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome everyone to episode four of Barnyard Language. Thank you for coming back and for listening to our podcast. Katie, what's happening on the farm these days? Well, right now, to be perfectly honest, Arlene, our vet is here uh, castrating some calves that are really too big to be castrated and fly pouring cows and probably cursing my name because there was a bit of a snafu with scheduling and the vet thought I was going to be out there helping and I'm in here recording instead. Um, there was a suggestion that I could just bring, you know, my whole recording setup out to the barn and just right. work cattle while recording to really get... Sure, we- we might need an even more explicit uh, swear warning at the beginning of the episode. There's generally nothing but swears. So <laughs> I'm guessing especially that trying to record while, while working cattle would not really give us the best sound quality. Other than that, just getting ready to send the kiddos back to school and not much else. How about you, Arlene? Well, at the time that we're recording, this is the day after our Holstein show. So um, we had a good day yesterday. Uh, we had a good crew of young people that my husband was very happy to delegate to. He uh, has had some really good luck with former 4-H members. And now we have a 15-year-old who's very excited about showing cows. So we had a good young crew of workers. And he even uh, slept at home during the night and then went back in the morning and didn't stay up all night with the cow. So that feels like big progress for us. And then this morning, of course, I was uh, scrubbing manure out of white clothes. So that goes along with with showing dairy animals. I actually came in from helping get set up to work cattle and realized that even as careful as I had been, I still ended up using baby wipes to scrub cow shit out of my pants before I came to record. <laughs> just because the smell gets a little, a little much when you're just sitting in your office. Sure. Yeah. You know. So Arlene, before we move on, what tips and tricks for stain removal do you have? Because I mean, if you can get cow shit out of white pants, you're doing... You're doing something right for sure. Well, I, I kind of just throw everything at it. I've got one of those, like the bar of soap that, you know, you stain treat before I use the white setting on my washing machine. I have the OxyClean white stuff and I throw in the bleach. So, so far it hasn't, you know, put a toxic smell into the house. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't had any reactions that cause, cause any uh, bad effects. And, you know, if it doesn't come out in the first run, I'll throw it all back in and do it two or three more times. And then putting everything out on the line as well. And I've also found that, you know, they're just going to be wearing them for another show. So if there are a few stains left on them, then they just kind of blend into all the rest. Just get the big stuff out. Yeah, I know um, I'm in a cleaning group and there's, you know, about this time of year, there's all these moms whose kids are playing baseball in places that have red clay soil. 
and they always wear white pants. And I'm like, did obviously nobody asked the moms what color pants these kids should be wearing because I exactly. know they would not be choosing white. I feel the same way about whoever chose white for showing dairy animals. Yeah, it's thumbs down. <laughs> So our guest today is Jane Paul, and Jane is from near me. She lives in Lanark County in eastern Ontario, and she spent her career working with young children and their families. She works for an organization that's close to my heart called Children's Resources on Wheels, and their mission is to support and strengthen childcare, family life, child development, and community links in Lanark County. She worked for many years as a playgroup facilitator with Crow, and her current position is the parent education coordinator. So the question that we ask each of our guests, Jane, is what are you growing? So Jane, what are you growing? So full disclosure here, uh, I am a bit at arm's length. I still live on the farm, but we are succeeding the farm to the next generation. Uh, and uh, so I will tell you about what we were growing and what we did as uh, when I was in the midst of it all here. So we have a cow-calf operation on this farm, raising beef cow to feeder weight and then sent them off. Uh, of course, along with that, we grow hay and some cash crop in there. We have a small sawmill that we built our houses from as well. So we log our own stuff in the wintertime and bring it in, saw it up. And uh, that has built our houses here. And to keep it all going, because you need something bringing the money in on, the, on a regular basis is the maple syrup. So we not only made maple syrup, but we sold the equipment and the evaporators and the can. We had a can company um, as well as all the maple products as well. So true Ontario farm, a little bit of everything in there. Uh, and at the same time, when I came on board here, because I'm a transplant, uh, we went from the farm just uh, supporting one family, which was my father-in-law and mother-in-law and their kids, to supporting three families. So while we were all involved in the farming as well, the uh, women all worked off on a second job to provide enough money so that uh, everybody could actually farm and we could raise our kids in the country. How many kids do you so have, So I have Jane? three and my three are grown now. Uh, they're still in the area and uh, they go from 30 something, 36, I guess, down to 28. And uh, one of them, two of them have just been recently married in the last couple of summers here on the farm. So that was a lot of fun. And hay bale seeding and everything uh, out in the hay fields. And one of them is a, a little McDonald's, old McDonald's farm herself. And, and they have a little bit of everything on their small little hobby farm as well. It's, it's just that love of the world, right? Of things growing and of things being uh, healthy and just being a part of something that's bigger than ourselves too. So today we're talking about the idea of resiliency. Jane, can you tell us what resiliency means to you? Sure. So, I mean, in my other job, in my other life off the farm, uh, where I have to go once in a while, although during the pandemic, we got to do it all from home here. So that's been a nice treat for us. But I am a parent education coordinator, like Arlene said, and, and she happens to sit on our board and has for or has for many years. Um, so I do a lot of education for families with young children on just how to cope day to day. And so when you guys were talking about doing this and talking about resiliency, I thought, boy, those are two things that really fit together, farming and resiliency. So for me, resiliency is all about, uh, well, the program that we run 
for uh, parents to come and join is called Bounce Back and Thrive. And that's resiliency in a nutshell, right? Life throws you curves, it throws you things that you never imagined on the farm. And if you can bounce back from them and continue to thrive, then you're resilient. So, I mean, it's all about the fact that there are certain skills people have, and they are skills. They're not things we're necessarily born with, but they're skills that we can learn to help us be more resilient, to help us bounce back when life throws us curves. So to me, that's really what resiliency is all about. Like you said, farming provides lots of opportunities to be resilient, but what are some of the things that we can actually do as adults when we aren't feeling very resilient or we don't know how to to bounce back from those adversities? So I think the first thing is we model it, right? We model it for our kids and for the people around us. Um, And in order to be resilient, one of the first things we have to do is we have to look at our own strengths. We have to look at what we bring to the table. And you ladies, I'm sure, I mean, you're talking about multitasking today there, Kate, and it's just, you know, so many things that are on your plate all the time. So that's, that's a big part of it is just knowing that you can do that. Because in my world, I'm all about reducing stress, right? Everything comes down to stress and the relationship between you and the things around you, whether those things are people, whether those things are, you know, whether it's nature, whether it's the farm, you know, your environment, it's about you and how you relate to all of those things. So when you know your own strengths, when you know, you know, that you can get up in the morning, like you said, the vet shows up and you say, it's okay, I got this, I can manage this, that keeps that stress down and keeps us coping. And I mean, farm life is nothing but that every morning. I jokingly, when Arlene asked about, you know, things I wanted to talk about, said, I really want to talk about those times when they come in and say, you know what, it's just a 15 minute job. I'll be back in three days or maybe even three weeks later, we're still working on this, right? So it's knowing that you can roll with the punches, right? Knowing that you have the strength and the capability to take over what you need to take over when you need to take over, you know, whether it's jumping in because, you know, somebody else was supposed to be picking up the kids and you've got to go and do that. Somebody else was supposed to be, you know, helping with the meals because I'm working, you know, a 14 hour day today in my other job and being able to get all those things to happen. So I think that very first part about resilient people is knowing your own strengths and being your own, you know, your own cheerer in the background right? I mean, we've just had the Olympics. Uh, Just as we would cheer on our hometown Olympians out here, we're going to cheer on ourselves uh, to be more resilient in there. I guess the other big piece for me um, is when we recognize those pressures, recognizing that a lot of those pressures come from inside us. And those are the ones that we get to change, right? I mean, the fact that you said to the vet, you know, no, this is, uh, this is the way it's got to be. This is, you're, you know, you're putting what you're doing on the line out there and you're saying, this is the way it's going to be. That's all from inside you. There are also a lot of pressures that come from outside, right? When, uh, and those are things we don't get to control. So being able to differentiate between the two of those and knowing when you've got to let one go because you have no control over it. And going back to those things that the pressures that we're putting on ourselves as we're wearing all these different hats here, right? You know, delivering calves, uh, dealing with the horses, 
uh, being a wife, being a mother, you know, being the uh, advocate at the school when your child's not doing well, all of those things that we have to do, you know, recognizing what you've got control over in those situations and what you don't. And so you're not wasting your time and energy and stressing yourself out about things that you don't have control over. So that leads me to the sort of the whole core part of resiliency. And that's the connection between our thoughts and our actions. And so how we think about things, how we perceive them, and it doesn't matter if it's really grounded in reality or not at the beginning, it's what we perceive to be the reality, right? So we teach a lot about going back to catching the feelings that we have. If you're really angry or you have an intense feeling about a certain situation, pay attention to that because it's your body telling you something's going on here. So if you're really angry and you catch that emotion, you've got to backtrack and say, okay, hang on, take a breath, slow down, go back. What was I telling myself? What was I thinking in my head about this? Can I reframe that? Can I change how I was thinking about it? so that I then evoke a different emotion. My body has different you know, um, signals because it's a, now a different emotion and I can change what's gonna happen just by changing how I'm thinking about it. And that is huge, huge in the resiliency game, right? I mean, this morning I headed out to turn out horses bright and early. You know, it's a hot, hot day here. We gotta get them out early on to the, the pasture and so because they're going to spend most of the day back in here in the cool when it's too hot this afternoon we're heading up you know uh, I think the humidex is above 40 degrees in our area today so as I headed out there and I'm grabbing fly masks because the bugs have just been horrific out here in the last few days and I throw one on a, a new horse that we have it doesn't fit and I'm going ah why didn't I remember that her head was smaller than the one that we had to put down last fall, right? Like, what am I going to do now? They were really in agony yesterday. They, they need a fly mask on there. So, and then I say to myself, hang on, don't get bent out of shape about this. You're frustrated. What do you get to do? I don't get to do a whole lot. There's nothing else. I can either send her out without a fly mask. She was that way last week. She'll survive. Or I can, you know, jury rig this one so it fits a little better. So I stop, I breathe and say, hang on, you're frustrated and you're angry and you're ticked off at yourself that you didn't, you know, prepare for this. But I, and then I say, hang on, is that going to help? That's not going to help. Okay, what helps? Okay, you're doing your best. You know, you've got other things on the go today. What have you got control of? Let's just make it fit best as we can. And out they went. So I've gone from being frustrated, being ticked off at myself, horses reacting to that environment, right? And now prancing all over the places I'm trying to get them out through a gate to hang on, slow down, settle yourself. Now I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm in problem solving mode. So I'm using a different part of my brain. So the, that, that uh, wild part is settling down again. The horses are now saying, oh, okay, it's okay. She settled herself down. I don't need to be afraid, right? Everything's calmer out there fixed the situation, sent them on, came in to me, read my notes for the, you know, for our podcast. So it's really about catching that emotion, going back and saying, what was I thinking? How else can I think about this for a better outcome? 
And then that changes everything. Your body isn't as tense. Your body settles down. My action goes from, you know, wanting to pound a horse who's not settled here and letting me do what I need to do to being gentle, being kind, solving the problem and getting on with life. And so that's a huge part of resiliency. What we're thinking inside our head comes from all the different things that we have grown up through from the parenting that has been modeled for us and the people around us, from the experiences that we've had as we've gone along, right? And our health and everything else, it makes that internal dialogue. And I think that's one place where we are so lucky because being a part of a farming life, right? Nothing ever goes smoothly. It's something you have to look at and you, you have to learn to bend with the wind right, and, and be in problem-solving mode a lot of the time without getting bent out of shape. And I think those are skills that we can pass on to our kids as well, as long as we realize that they are skills. It's not something magical some people have and some don't. They are things that we can actually learn if we see them as a skill and practice them. So there you go. You just got a, a six-week course in resiliency in five minutes. There you go. One thing that's really been life-changing for me is realizing how common it is for anxiety to manifest as anger and really pushing myself now when I snap at my kids to stop and explain to them what's going on and to apologize and to model being a functional grown-up, I guess. And before anybody thinks that I'm just like, super zen we're talking about a lot of therapy and a lot of anxiety medication but just realizing how much fear can manifest as anger and explaining to my kids that you know sometimes mommy gets scared and it makes mommy angry because she wants you to be safe this is why i why i seem angry and how much that's deepened my relationship with my kids and jane my kids are four and three so we're very much at the the irrational anger you, you nailed it all though. fronts anger is one <laughs> stage of, of things you nailed it though because anger is something we call a secondary emotion you have to have something else happen first that moves you to anger right and so when you talk about anxiety or you talk about fear that's it exactly and you're you know you've got that monologue going in your head that's that's upping the anxiety and upping the fear and then that leads you to, to that, uh, that anger. And I think, you know, when you look at farm families too, you know, we have so many responsibilities. We have so many things on our shoulders that these things weigh really, really heavily. And we have a lot of anxiety uh, about so many things. Cause again, there's so many things we don't get to control and we work so hard and we have high expectations, you know, to be caring for not only our, our, uh, our kids, but also the animals and the farm and our lifestyle and everything, that it's huge. And I think there's a big part of genetics in this too. You know, so if you've married into a farm family and you're from a farm family, wow, double banger here, eh? Yeah, the other, the other one that's really helped us is my husband and I went to a retreat where we talked about our priorities for our family and really narrowing down what the absolute top priority is and for us it was to keep our family together and close and healthy and the second priority was to keep the farm land in the family and 
everything else is after that. And that has really helped us, I think, to not have to not have everything else be the highest priority as it comes up, to be able to remember that the very highest priority is to not hate each other. Because I know so many farm families that have just disintegrated. And it's, what's the point of having a family farm if there's no family? Yeah, and good for you, know, you for getting no, on the same page. Because I think that's something. It's it's hard to remember, for sure. But I think you're right. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's certainly one of the problems, the forefront problems of the farm. You know, from somebody who came in from outside a farm family, I have to grieve that life that I thought uh, you know, the family farm was going to be, right? It's not, you know, I mean, how great is it to have your partner at home and around here? Well, we never saw him, right? He was always, I would have gone. So grieving that life that I thought, that fantasy life that was there and, and allowing yourself to grieve, allowing yourself to feel that loss. But like you said, coming back to reality, showing gratitude for what you do have and for what's important right? Finding that positive part of it and moving forward with it. Like, wow, I bow down to you. You are my guru. Definitely. I worry a lot that people think that I'm have any idea what the <laughs> hell I'm doing because I really don't. It's a lot of practice and it's a lot <laughs> of medication to be perfectly honest, but just doing what we can to go day by day. And I know there is a lot of grief towards, you know, my husband and I both work non-farm jobs and we farm and our kids are in daycare and this isn't what I pictured. Um, right. But it's what we got. So. Well, it's funny yeah. you talk about uh, medication and anxiety because first of all, I'm adopted. Um, so I don't have that background in medical history for myself, but I probably fall in there. But my husband's family, that anxiety and medication runs down through generations and generations. So, you know, you're in good company there, woman. Well, and I think looking at both sides of our family, I feel like the more open that we can be about getting the help we need, looking at what it has done to past generations to not have that access and that openness about help they needed and what that's done to their families, to them, to their kids is just, so when, you know, the best thing I can do for my kids is ask when for When people talk about resiliency, that is usually the first resiliency skill they talk about. The ability to reach out for help and reinforcements when you need it. And that is the mm -hmm. first resiliency skill that they look at when they look at why people are resilient. Those who can speak up and reach out and ask for help are more resilient. Well, and I know for myself, there's probably a lot of people who are horrified by how open I am about things in my life. I know there are people who are horrified by it, but I also know that so many people have come to me and thanked me for being open about it because the more normal it becomes to be open about things, the easier it is for everybody else to be open about it. And it's just remembering too, that we're not gonna get a prize for being the best mom. Nobody's actually inspecting to see if you're using paper plates or if you have a house cleaner or, you know, there's nobody coming to check up to give you a little gold star for, exactly. you know, 
And those things that you mentioned, Katie, it's funny because you talk about being the best mom, and yet both of those examples don't have anything to do with parenting. That has to do with the the feelings that we have about what it looks like on the outside to look like you've got it all together and that you're, you know, keeping up, but that's not actually the parenting, the modeling and the connection with our kids is the parenting part. And those other things, you know, like you said, they're not even on your list of priorities because those those things about our homes and, you know, the, the way we prepare food and all of that, you know, extra stuff is, it's part of life, but it's not part of the actual parenting role. Arlene, you just <laughs> nailed it because you're exactly right. What makes me a good mom is my kids knowing they're loved and having their basic needs met. And as long as they're fed, it really doesn't matter what plates they're eating off of. Exactly. And they have a safe home. They have loving parents. They have a supportive community. And that's what makes it a healthy family or not. Not whether I pay somebody to help clean our house, which I do because, you know, I finally released some of that guilt about, well, I can do everything. Why can't right. I do everything? Why don't I have 38 hours in a day instead of 24 <laughs> like everybody else? I'm special. I should have 38 hours in a day. Turns out I don't. Turns out it's easier to just pay my house cleaner um, and get some of that time back for stuff that only I can do, stuff that I want to do, stuff that's useful to my family, that's not spending my time mopping Absolutely. the floors, which does need to be done because our floors are <laughs> disgusting, but I don't have to be the one to do it. That's right. I mean, when we finally got to actually build on the farm and build our house here, the first thing we put in was a bathroom and a shower right inside the back door, right? Thinking, great, we've got a mudroom right here. It's going to make it so much easier. Do you think anybody actually ever goes in there before they tromp to the living room? Nope. But it's there if we need it, right? My sister's joke before about designing a, the, the farmhouse that has a drain in the floor, kind of like you have like in a utility oh, room down. or in, in the barn, to just have, just have that in the bathroom and just be able to hose the whole thing down. More of a wet room situation than That's actually right. a, a we bathroom. Were actually talking about this at lunch yesterday, Arlene, at my dream house, and it would not be very hygge or pleasing at all aesthetically would be if the entire house was cement with tile and just had <laughs> you know like the the sprayer that comes down off the ceiling with just a floor drain in every room you just hose the damn thing down but that's not what matters not many soft furnishings in that option yeah no not that's very right. not cozy but clean well, and those are the realities, right? I mean, what we love about farming too. I mean, I'm I'm all about the animals and uh, and everything else. There it comes. I mean, you walk into our back bathroom, and hanging there are two bridles, you know, three hard hats, you know, a, ba a bareback pad. Uh, we actually have three uh, syringes up along the window right now. There are no sharps on them, right? <laughs> But for uh, giving medication to animals that were have been ill in the last little bit, uh, yeah, it's just, you know what, and they need to be there. You know, I thought about putting them away. No, we actually need those three times a day at the moment. So that's where they need to sit. So before I became a, a parent education coordinator, back in my young years, I uh, uh, helped breed, break and train standard breads out west in British Columbia. And on Friday, before we had uh, banking that went straight into the bank, we would all truck in 
on Friday at lunchtime with our checks to deposit them, you know, with KY jelly in this pocket and a syringe in this pocket and a rectal examination glove hanging out the back. Uh, we're quite the crew coming in. And like you said, these things become normal, right? When we talk about it, we just said, oh yeah, I work on the horse farm. Oh, oh yeah, you're one of those, okay. And, and away we go. But the more we talk about things and the more we live our authentic self and our authentic lives, the more that normalizes things. And, you know, Arlene's right. You know, we, we tend to compartmentalize things, but you've got to do things in the way that we, we talked about looking and, and recognizing your own strengths. You've got to do things in the way that promote your strengths and fill in the, you know, fill in the blanks in the other places with those things that you're not getting to with, with other people reaching out, you know, what, that's one of the great websites. If you're looking at, uh, to learn about resiliency, reaching in, reaching out, R I R O re reaching in side ourselves and then reaching out to others. And it, that's what resiliency is. So more power to you in the way that you can do it and fits your lifestyle. And I think that's one of the hardest things about, you know, pandemic life and what we've been going through the last year and a half is those opportunities for reaching out really have been limited. The resources and the, the people that we used to depend on, you know, you could ask a grandma or a sister or a brother or someone else to, you know, watch the kids or, you know, pick something up for you or those types of opportunities were restricted so much to our immediate families. And in some ways that brought closeness and in other ways that has also severed relationships because while trying to do the, the right thing for ourselves and our immediate families, that ends up that reaching out has become more difficult. And now even in, we're in this in-between space where you don't know what's right. You know, can I ask that person? Is it okay? You know, how much should we be together? Is that, you know, if, if or, it, you know, it might be right for me, but it's not right for them. All of those types of decisions have just gotten. They have. Out. And I mean, farming is, is somewhat about isolation already to begin with, you know, for the, the hours that you keep and the jobs that you have to do and you have to do things when they need to be done. Right. And then the pandemic has just exacerbated all of that. You're absolutely right. Jane, can you give us some more examples of how we can teach our farm kids to be more resilient as children and as they grow up into hopefully functional Absolutely. adults? I think, you know, we talked about modeling and you, you actually mentioned that that part of parenting is modeling for your kids. And that's the biggest part of it. Even if you get up in the morning and it's not a great day, fake it till you make it. Put it out there in front of the kids and let them know this is a possibility. And Kate, you were talked about making sure that you're speaking up about how you're feeling, allowing that um, discussion of emotions to happen, being able to talk about how you feel no matter what it is. And we accept all feelings, right, from our kids. We accept all feelings. We limit the behaviors. You know, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to hit your brother. Um, so, but we accept all of those feelings so that we can open that up and let those feelings out. So that's a big part of resiliency and making sure that we're, when we talk about it, um, that we're giving kids the language that they can talk about it. I love to talk about uh, a time when my middle child, who is a, a, a teacher, and she coaches volleyball as well for high school kids. And I walked in to pick her up uh, from one of her places, her car was getting fixed. And I walked in and out of her mouth 
became the language of resiliency. You know, as she's talking to these grade 12 boys, they were putty in her hands um, because she's there being positive, being assertive, you know, being open. You talk so much about being open and being your real self, Kate. You know, there she is with these young lads talking, acknowledging their feelings, right? Describing the problem, setting the boundaries that go along with that, right? And that that's just her first language. It's not my first language. I had to learn it, but because she grew up with it. And Arlene's guys are, are the same way. You know, they've grown up from the er earliest parts, knowing that they could talk about how they're feeling, you know, being able to be angry when they're angry and knowing that that's not going to sever the relationship. So when Arlene talked, you talked about making sure that that parenting is about keeping that relationship there between you and your child, that's resiliency as well. We need to show them that no matter what they do, we are going to be there for them. Yes, there are limits to you and boundaries to your actions, but there is nothing that you can do that's going to sever that relationship. You know, I grew up in an in a atmosphere. I'm a little older than I look here. The, the hair hasn't gone gray. Some say that's, you know, being out in nature, some say it's growing on the farm and I'm just full of that bullshit, right? And it's kept everything nice and brown. But for our kids, it's really important to know that that relationship is first and foremost. And so we deal with things in a positive way. In my culture, you know, we had the leather strap in the closet. Dad came home from sea. We all got soundly whipped, you know, and it got to the point when he walked in the house, we ran. We know better than that now. We know to acknowledge feelings. We know that, yeah, we still have to be stronger, bigger, kinder, and have boundaries. And that's what gives kids security. Again, being on the farm, one of the things that the kids get to learn is about failure when things don't go right. And that is a huge part of resiliency and life. We don't become confident and strong from getting it right all the time. We do it from falling flat, from things not going well, getting up, trying again, possibly failing again, trying a third time and then being successful. So helping them get that can-do attitude and that realization that because something doesn't go well or that you may not be the number one at it, that's okay, right? We learn a lot more from failure uh, as long as we keep trying. We learn a lot more from failure than we do from our successes most of the time. You know, failure just means, oh, we've got a problem here. How do we solve that? So helping kids, um, not being too quick to jump in to solve their problems, standing beside them and being supportive and encouraging and giving some tips, you know, when needed, but allowing them to try what they think will work and see whether it works or not. That's how they learn risk management, right? That's how they learn, you know, just general problem solving. So I think when kids on the farm have chores that they're responsible for, when you know, they know that there are rules and regulations about driving the tractor, about you know, using the four wheelers, about expectations that we do need your help. What you bring to the table is valuable, right? And as, as our kids get older, you know, they help out with a lot of the more physical farm chores as well. And knowing that that's important. Yes, you do need to get up in the morning. Yes, you do need to complete those chores. But if you have problems, come and talk to me about it. 
because then we'll figure it out together, right? Those things all lead to that can-do attitude, recognizing that they do bring things to the table. They do have strengths, physical strengths, mental strengths, emotional strengths, you know, strengths like using humor. You know, each one of us has the class clown amongst the family. That can be something that relieves a lot of pressure. That is a strength and a skill they can use to help in the world. Making them aware of uh, the strengths that they do have and commenting on those and, uh, you know, praising them for that. They don't need praise 24 seven, right? Sometimes the praise is just thanks. That was a big help, you know, but allowing all of those things to happen, help kids be more resilient. But the biggest one, like both of you mentioned is model it for them. And if, if you're going to talk your way through it, you know, if, if we're having a problem with frustration in our family and I'm going to literally talk out loud so kids learn my thought process and I go, oh, I dropped that box. Now there's a mess on the floor. What do I have to do? Oh, I'm so frustrated. Make sure you tell your partner that you're doing this so they don't rock her, right? But talk your way through the process. Oh, I'm frustrated. Okay, hang on. I'm going to take a deep breath. Okay, now I'm calmer. Okay, what needs to be done? I just need to clean up the mess on the floor. Who can help me with that? The dog. Okay, come here, Fido. You know, and he can come and clean up the wet parts and I'll scrape up the other stuff. But it's doing things like that and modeling that and then saying, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. All done. Let's go. What's next? And moving on with life. So those are all things that we can do to model for our kids. I'll tell you, Jane, one of the, the worst parts of modeling at our house right now is that our four-year-old, somebody at her school is doing something really right. I don't know what they're reading in that class or what they're doing, but her little brother got mad the other day and she turns to him and she's such a little tater tot. And she goes, now, Henny, deep breathe in <laughs> and out, deep breathe in and out. And like the other day I got frustrated about something. She goes, mama, you need to chill. And I was just like, you know, my initial response is, well, you're not the boss of me. You're four. But if my kid can model yeah. that behavior, I can too. And it is obvious how much she's looking for that modeling of how to deal with these things. You know, she's picking it up at school that fast. She's picking it up from us too. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how young, how young they are that yeah. they've got these skills. And that's a huge one. Stopping, breathing, you know, shifting back into neutral is huge. Good for her. Well, and it's that much of a push that if she can be that self-controlled, maybe the rest of us could be too. <laughs> I don't, I'm not really ready to let the four-year-old be the Zen one in the family, especially this four-year-old. <laughs> the more we can put out there that it's normal to have really yeah. shitty days and to yell and to be angry and to apologize and to move on from it. Um, you know, we had a really rough morning this morning and I actually messaged Arlene to to ask her to remind me that anything negative I said about my husband could be edited out before he hears it. Um, Cause it was, a, it was not a good morning, but just to remember that at least for us, the family is the most important part of this and doing what we need to do to keep that healthy is the priority. Well, that's the nice thing about everything we do. It's under the umbrella of what we call positive discipline. Right. And it's about it's about being assertive and having boundaries, but it's about putting keeping that relationship intact foremost 
And that's what it comes back to. You can fix everything else as long as that relationship stays intact, right? So, so do the work there, you know, keep, do the repair, do the rewind and the redos and the repairs in there because that it always comes back to the relationship. So, and like you say, some days things go much better than others and the days that they don't, you know, just let them know this has not been a good day. You know, we got to work on this to fix, fix that relationship, but we're still there for each other and we got this. We'll figure it out. I think maybe too, it's more frustrating to deal, at least for me with the kid who says they can't do something when normally they're that kid that will just keep trying because the, the girl child is very much my kid and she she's um, persistent. And, you know, like this morning it was, I can't. And I just, you know, if we want to talk about something that'll put me on edge, it's the whiny, I can't just, oh, I can feel myself tensing up. Yeah, just It triggers us. It. And then all of a sudden it's not about the child anymore. It's about us and what we've triggered inside of us. But you're right. Behavior is always, that's a, a discussion for another, another podcast um, all about behavior, but behavior is communication. What is she telling you when she does that? She's overwhelmed. She's stressed out. Okay. If I understand that, this is that rethinking piece, right? We catch that annoyance. What am I telling myself? Oh, this little brat. How do we rechange that? Oh, her behavior is telling me she's overwhelmed, that she's not coping. What do I need to do so we can have the outcome we want? You know, all back to that mm-hmm. thoughts and, and uh, actions piece. There are lots of days I just want Jane on my shoulder being my uh, my little parenting coach. <laughs> I love yeah, it when I feel people like say that. Jane on one side. And- <laughs> well, if you came and lived in my house with me, uh, you might change that <laughs> thought. So, I mean, you see my professional persona here. <laughs> I feel like that's... That's so true too, Jane, is that generally I don't, you know, make a point of telling people how often I yell or, you know, get frustrated or whatever. And so I do, I've had people come up and be like, oh, you're so calm with your kids. And I'm like, do you know me? Like, did you see me for three minutes on the sidewalk? Because, oh, cool. I, you know, I kept it together for three minutes and now you have, it's a shit show around here. But you just apologize and try to do better and keep going. Because and how awesome is it for your kids you and, and the people around you to know that you are somebody who understands that when they lose their crap, that you know what that's about and that, you know, just to keep breathing and that we'll clean the slate, you know, by a redo and we'll try it again another day. But for now, we're just going to take a break. The older I get, the more I realize that anybody who acts like they know what's going on (laughs) is full of it or delusional or both. Because, you know, I always assumed that there would be some age where you would know what was happening. And I thought maybe it would be like 25. And then I thought maybe it would be 30. And now I'm 40 and I have less of an idea than I ever did. And I'm looking around at the people who seem like they do know what's going on. And I just doesn't statistically make sense because everyone I really know, nobody has any idea what's happening. So we're all just doing our best and hoping it's enough. Well, and you guys are making sense here, right? I mean, first of all, I love the name of this podcast, 
right? Barnyard language. It just on so many levels, it's just so right. And good for you for speaking up because, I mean, we are in a rural community out here and there are many, many women who have come to my groups um, looking for some support who are farm, you know, farm people and who are just dealing with all of these things, thinking that they're the only ones not being able to do it. I know too, for us, one of our big pushes was wanting to get more dads involved too, because as the mom who's stuck in the house with the kids who need to go to bed and the dishes that are dirty and the laundry needs done. And, and my husband's just out there. I, I don't know what he's doing, messing with something, you know, for 15 minutes, which yeah, is now three so hours good. ago. Um, and it's so hard to how much of our kids' lives they're missing out yeah. on because when they're in a tractor, they're not doing bedtime. And when they're at work making money so we can keep farming, like for us, he wasn't at meet the teacher night and he's not at gymnastics and, you know, cause there's cows that yeah. need fed and there's, and well, then we expect them, expect really, them to have the skills that we have as well, right? Because they're your kids yeah. too. And yet they haven't had the time, you know, and the practice to, to hone those skills. That was such a big one for me to learn when the kids were babies, Arlene and I are in the same online parenting group. And I remember somebody saying, you know, it's, it's really unfair to expect the less present parent to be as good at things when one of us is doing it 23 right. hours a day. And one of us is doing it an hour a day. You know, the, of course, I know where the kids' socks are. I put them away. But I magically expect him to just know these things, you know, especially when I've changed to the system eight times and now he doesn't know where they are. So, Jane, one question. I like to put some, some goofy <laughs> questions in the interview, too, because that's who I am. Handle everything through humor, inappropriate or not, whatever. What fair contest could you dominate um, a real contest, a made up one, whatever. Like what is your, what could you really be competitive? Well, in? I will let you know that in the ladies shoe toss and in the nail hammering, I am the queen in our area. So just to put that right out forward in front. So Jane, you already mentioned one website that you thought was a good resource for, for parents. Do you have any other additional resources you want to share with us that we can either put in the show notes or you can mention? Sure. Uh, so our website, uh, if you have questions and actually want to talk to one of our staff, and we all talk like I do, everybody loves to talk in there, uh, is crowlanark.com. So crow like the bird, which stands for Children's Resources on Wheels, Lanark which is our county here in Ontario.com. And on there, we offer all sorts of parenting workshops, including the one we talked about, Bounce Back and Thrive. And uh, so things are available there. Everything we do is free. A re-row is another one. Uh, another one is called um, Positive Discipline in Everyday Parenting. And it goes by the, the letters. So PD... D as in dog, E as in egg, P, positive discipline in everyday parenting. And if you Google those things, or even if you just Google resiliency, um, you'll get all sorts of free stuff that talk about the main resiliency skills and how to access them. There's lots of print off sheets if you have young children um, on how to help them become more resilient as well. Um, but there's just a ton of information on the web out there. And like I said, you don't actually have to go to something specific. Just put in parenting, resiliency, 
and you'll have your choice of a lot of things. If you don't know where to go, like I said, find us at crowlanark.com. Uh, I also have a Facebook page called Crow Parent Education. So again, Crow Like the Bird Parent Education. And you'll see all sorts of tips and just some general pick-me-ups that are, are posted every day along with some resources. And you can message me there on Facebook with any questions you have. And one of the things that we do as an organization early on is that you know, we're one-stop shopping. We may not have all the answers, but we'll refer you on to the people that do. So, you know, give us a shout, uh, or even if you just enjoyed this, like I said, subscribe to these two here and, uh, you know, get some joy out of your day from their, their uh, podcast here. Uh, and, you know, let us know that you heard it at, uh, on Facebook and uh, we'll connect with you if you have any questions. There's also some videos of you that I've seen. So we do have our own too. YouTube channel. Uh, we were just joking about this before we started recording. Uh, and it is Children's Resources on Wheels, which is, again, what CROW stands for. And there are some little uh, five and ten minute parenting videos on there that give you all sorts of information uh, that are extremely helpful. Some on resiliency, some on discipline, engaging cooperation, all sorts of things. There's also some little videos on there that give you some songs and activities to do with your kids. Uh, things like Play-Doh. I think we have about six up with Play-Doh using Play-Doh as a teaching tool. So if you've got young kids, certainly check those out. All right. So Jane, feel free to, uh, to join us for our next segment here. My personal favorite. I know I had something for it today too. And hopefully while Arlene's talking about it, I'll remember what it was. Our next segment, and I think this is the, the first time we're really including it, is cussing and discussing. So anything that's gone well, gone badly, anything you have to uh, you know, share with the group? So Arlene, funny what do you stories. have today? Funny yeah, stories, funny, whatever. Funny stories are included. So my tip today, like I've been talking about, is it's show season for us. So that means white clothes, and they're not the easiest to find. So what I've done over the years is I have a big Rubbermaid container, and anytime I find white pants specifically, but white shirts as well, um, they go in the box. And so if there's hand-me-downs from other farm families, or if I happen to find white pants on sale somewhere, they go in the box. And then hopefully when show season actually comes around, as you know, kids are constantly growing, there might actually be something that will fit them <laughs> in the box. And I've also discovered, depending on the size of your kids, we have some who are in the shorter leg, but maybe uh, larger waistband category, that women's capris actually work quite well for white pants, or I mean, any kind of pants, I suppose, because you can expand the waistline, but the length is more of a kid's pant size. And plus, that you can also find some wide legs, which is usually what you need for fitting right. over work boots or cowboy boots for the show ring. So that's my uh, white clothes fashion tip. So Jane, do you have any cussing or discussing to do? This one's thrown me for a loop. This was not what I thought this category was going to be here. What did you think this category was well, going to be? Well, so I have a funny story to tell, and I may be in trouble for this. But no, share it. My, uh, my brother-in-law, <laughs> when he was a child, um, was about five years younger than his next older sibling. And uh, we tell the story all the time about uh, the language actually used on the farm, the creative language that we have. And as he pops his head out the window and sees that the cows have once more broken through the fence line and are heading for greener pastures, yells to his grandmother who's in the room, the bastards, the bastards are running down the laneway. 
And uh, so um, this being a very, many, many years ago and being a very Christian family uh, was quite taken aback by this, you know, three-year-old with this vocabulary as he's talking about what's heading down the laneway. So um, that's my that's my funny story for today. And, and they have forever been known as that up in the barn with a special name instead of cows. So uh, our kids do get creative <laughs> and to him, that's just what they were called. So uh, yeah, that's my funny yeah, story I mean, you, for today. You can't really blame them if that's all they've ever that's heard right, called. That's right, that's oh. right. Especially once they head through the fence. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second time that day, so. <laughs> Mine, I was thinking earlier about the the realities of being a farmer and what you were talking about, the the horse farm, Jane. Um, you know, I have a an online cleaning group that I really like because it's it's nice to be able to, you know, hive mind from 30,000 people how to clean things. But we have a whole, you know, a big Rubbermaid tote of sheep supplies. We raise sheep and cattle. So we have a big Rubbermaid tote of veterinary supplies because they can't stay outside. They'll freeze. They get too hot, whatever. You know, so A, I've got the refrigerator organization people who don't understand that the top shelf in the door is for vaccines. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I can't put my snacks or whatever. That's where the vaccines live. You don't mess with that. And then the other day, the, the tote sits generally on top of the freezer next to the washing machine. And the washing machine went berserk and knocked the tote off. And I ended up with a full gallon of OB lube on the linoleum floor and I almost asked in the cleaning group and then I was like you know I'm not ready to put this out on a group of 30,000 people about why I have a gallon of lube because <laughs> there's no way I'm going to explain it enough to to make this work and then you and, won't end up with any cleaning tips it'll just be people curious yeah, exactly. about the lube. yeah yeah like, don't judge me, whatever. Um, and it turns out that, so we're, of course, out of floor dry, which would be my normal. And so I used clumping cat litter, which I've used in place of floor dry before. But somehow the magic of OB lube and clumping cat litter on linoleum means that I then had clumping cat litter glued to the floor. <laughs> and of course, it's in the entryway. So it's like, you know, this just isn't, a normal now, now to be honest you know from from a sensory perspective uh, perspective in the early years as long as that clumping cat litter was free you know fresh from the box and the lube yeah. was all clean what a great sensory material for kids to play in just gotta say we should have jane come visit my kids because you and the girl child would hit it off oh my god you would have a lot of fun she's sensory experiences Oh, that kid. Um, but to, you know, talking about things that are normal in farm families that aren't in other places. My favorite picture of my mom with one of my babies is when the boy child was maybe two weeks old. I mean, he was a, he was a little tiny tater and we had an orphan lamb and I came into the house and my mom was sitting on the edge of the bathtub holding my son, bottle feeding him with one hand, bottle feeding the lamb with the other hand. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, this is not normal, but it sure shows what our life is like. And there's nothing I would rather have my kids growing up with, even when it is a full gallon of lube on the floor. There's, there's just nothing better. 
<laughs> so Katie and I want to thank you so much, Jane, for being with us today and for sharing all of your knowledge and expertise. And we want to thank our listeners for joining us again. We appreciate all the support that we've received so far in our podcasting journey. We'd appreciate it if you're listening, if you would like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast because this helps other people find us. And a positive re review would also be fabulous. We would also be so grateful if you would tell another farming friend to listen to the podcast because those personal recommendations make the most difference. Um, also, we will share links for all of the resources that Jane has provided today on our social media, and we'd love to hear from you. So whether you have someone you'd like to hear on our show, a product recommendation, a product um, non-recommendation, a potential sponsor, whatever, reach out to us on social media or at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com. If you'd like to contribute a funny story, a recent success you've had on your farm, or anything else that you'd like to hear in the cussing and discussing um, part of our podcast, you can record an audio file and send it our way or write us an email and we will share it for you. We've also started a private Facebook group and we want you to join us and the rest of the community there. So search for Barnyard Language and put in a request to join. This is a place where you can ask questions, give and receive support and advice and just get to know some other people who are living the farm family life. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok and Patreon at Barnyard Language and on Twitter at Barnyard Pod. Patreon is a site where you can uh, financially support the work we're doing, buy us some coffee, um, help Arlene get some more uh, some more stain removers for all those white pants. And we would appreciate it if you are able to support us. Until next time, may your washing machine keep working and your OB leave not spill out on the floor. Mm -hmm.